Okay, so the word socialism is the latest topic or concept that's been being weaponized in, in our country. And I think it's really important for us to dive in and go beyond just the word that I think is being used to strike fear and to motivate people. And what is socialism? What is, where does it stand within uh, our country today versus where it's stood in other countries or in the past? And I think you have some great takes on, on, uh, on that. You know, it's uh, interesting that the uh, word socialism, actually the term being used more often, self-described by Bernie Sanders and uh, AOC is democratic socialism. But the operative word is socialism, obviously, in terms of what gets people's attention. And in a preoccupied community, the political community, the political world where everybody's preoccupied with labels, not only party labels, Democrat or Republican, but are you a moderate, are you liberal, are you a progressive? And usually the terms aren't described, it's just a label that's thrown out there and everybody has their own take. And I think obviously the term socialism is the same kind of word that elicits a response. Uh, I don't know how positive, I know how negative in a lot of ways, because socialism isn't a new term, it's a pretty old one from the beginning of the 20th century. And on March 23rd this year in the Rafushimpo, uh, professor at Glendale College, Richard Kamai, uh, wrote a really good article about socialist principles in a capitalist society, which is a pretty rare column for the Rafushimpo. But it really lays out pretty much the classic descriptions and uh, pretty much not academic, but uh, it has quotes in it and footnotes about where the latest thought on socialism have come from, and it's a good read. So all this to say that socialism is nothing new. And in this context of looking at people describing themselves as democratic socialists, and particularly Bernie, no one has called him a socialist or accused him of being a communist. There used to be a thing called red baiting, mm -hmm. where people wanted to put a negative hit on a political candidate or political thought, they would call it red baiting. In other words, it was related to communist thought. And then our history in this country relative to the 30s and the uh, McCarthy era and people really being uh, negative about socialism and communism, looking at what took place in Russia, China, Cold War, the basis of fighting in the Vietnam War was the North Vietnam was communist. That was a whole part of the discussion. So if someone called you a communist in American politics, that was really a, a negative, right. a negative brand. But now, jumping ahead to 2020, the term doesn't have the same ring, uh, meaning that people don't automatically genuflect or have a knee-jerk reaction, which is negative. Uh, and I think it's a good thing that people are looking at the issue because socialism is nothing new to the United States or the capitalist 
society that we have in the United States. Socialism has been a part of our social policy, government policy, for a long time. Probably its most uh, notable period was during the Depression, right after the Depression under FDR, uh, where he instituted a lot of government-run programs to pull us out of the Depression, which were work programs, uh, building in the national parks, uh, building uh, electrical grids in the Tennessee Valley, uh, all of these different work programs, some of which were challenged by the more conservative folks uh, in courts, and uh, eventually some won in court that government didn't have the right to do these kind of things. But it really pulled people out of this real dearth of unemployment that was a result of the Depression and really the uh, carelessness and the, the brash carelessness of the capitalists. Uh, they could run amok so much that in the Depression, they just totally destroyed the economy of this country and then pretty much the world. So to pull us out of it, the tool that FDR used the most was socialism. Social programs that put people back to work, social programs that manifest themselves in things like public education, uh, some of our health programs. So things that we take for granted, that we just assume have always been around from Social Security to uh, different health programs that are part of our social services uh, network and uh, uh, fail-safe system, uh, different things like uh, unemployment insurance, uh, things like disability, government-run programs that help people. So those are socialistic principles yeah. that are currently active right yeah. now. In the most general definition. I mean, if you look at it more specifically as systems, the capitalist system and the socialist system, they have characteristics that you can look at historically, and you can look at contemporarily in the Soviet Union and in China, where they have really morphed from being the birthplace of uh, socialism and communism from the Marxist revolution in the Soviet Union, now Russia, to China, the People's Republic of China, much later after World War II, that uh, those systems have morphed into part capitalist and still socialist and communist countries. The United States has morphed also in terms of, instead of just being a capitalist country, it now has social programs within our system. But if you look at the very nature of socialism and capitalism, the very nature of capitalism is that to become a monopoly, where through competition you eliminate the weaker and the stronger continue on, the rich get richer and the poor get poorer. And socialism, with a government run with the government being run by a single party, a communist party or a socialist party, and that's the party of the working class, the proletariat. In socialist principles, it's called the dictatorship of the proletariat of the working class. The problem is that inherently it becomes a one-party system, and the party, the communist party, runs the proletariat, the working class, and as it becomes more socialistic, it becomes more government, and single-party run, which means a dictatorship. In capitalists, it becomes more of a monopoly, so people then have sort of a dictatorship of capitalism. And so 
the issue always becomes, for me, not socialism or common, uh, not socialism or capitalism. The issue becomes the adjective in front of those terms, which has been put on the table with democratic socialism, and we need to look at democratic capitalism. In other words, people run, people control social programs, people run capitalism rather than monopoly capitalism or dictatorship government, dictatorship of social programs. So that's what I think becomes the challenge for this new determination and definition of democratic socialism or democratic capitalism. We're going to be a hybrid system of both. We've shown that capitalism is a part of our fundamental strength because of entrepreneurship, people competing with new ideas, people not being restricted or held back. But then in the social system, it shows that if you really want to take care of the weakest among us, provide the kind of basic rights that we should have, like housing, education, health care, those kinds of things, that you can't base it on who can afford it or pay for it. it means that you get a better education because you're richer, but it becomes democratic principle. That's why fundamentally in our democracy, public education is so critical. They needed in the original writing of the Declaration of Independence and the Constitution, even though they failed on issues like slavery and other things. But what they were talking about was a democracy where people had the right to vote, but the right to vote meant that you want an educated voter. To have an educated voter, you couldn't do it based upon who could afford an education. That's why public education is such a critical part of our democracy. So in summary, all this to say whether we're talking about capitalism or socialism, we're going to have a hybrid system in the United States, but the operative description for both has got to be democracy, democratic capitalism, democratic socialism. So in that context, it means that it's going to be run by the people and by the people's government. So that's one thing that Elizabeth Warren has been putting on the table relative to policy ideas, particularly with this new uh, economy in terms of technology, Amazon, Facebook, etc. She's putting on the table that we need to break up these monopolies that exist and democratize it so that people have a choice. In Amazon, and everybody loves Amazon, I love Amazon in terms of being able to buy online and have it delivered, that's great. But it would even be better if there was competition where you can choose with more sources of those kind of services. So I think that's what she's talking about relative to breaking up the technology economy that is emerging as a dominant economy in capitalism in the United States. So this is to say that in looking at the United States, this issue of socialism and capitalism is going to have a whole new definition. It can't be defined based upon the old view. It can't be defined based upon a Russian model or a Chinese model or Armenian model or all these other places that have socialist communist systems. It's got to be looked at from a new contemporary 21st, 22nd century view where it has its strengths and it has its weaknesses. Capitalism has its strengths and has its weaknesses, but the operative principle is democracy.
the people, the vast majority of the people being served by these systems, not the systems being served by the monopolies that start to emerge or by a government dictatorship telling the people what to do, what they have to use, and limiting their resources and choices. So I think it's going to be a really great discussion we can have if people aren't afraid of it or people don't use it as, like you said, a perfect word, a description is weaponizing it as a negative, but looking at how to use these systems combined to make for a better society. Mm-hmm. I mean, you've talked about, you, <clears throat> you mentioned you mentioned red baiting in the past. I feel like that is what's going on now, is, is the, the GOP is red baiting with, you know, socialistic, anytime people bring up any type of social, so, socialistic principles, they're trying to harken back to, I mean, people don't know, right? They're, they're trying to equate it to communism. And can you touch on what Bernie and Elizabeth Warren and AOC at a lower level, like what type of socialistic principles are they talking about and what's your take on it is it realistic is it something that makes sense or is it kind of more um pie in the sky pushing their agenda well i think the reason this is such an important discussion is more for your generation than for mine uh even my generation is post mccarthy era and uh, really post the people's republic of china revolution uh, way after the Communist Revolution and Soviet Union. So even my generation is less uh, sensitive to the charge of communism or red baiting. You get to your generation, it's even less impactful, but they're trying to, as you say, weaponize it and bring red baiting back. And the point earlier I made about Bernie is that no one called Bernie a democratic socialist. He has self-described himself, self-defined himself as a socialist. I mean, he's in the Democratic primary, but he doesn't call himself a Democrat. He's a socialist straight up. And AOC and her ilk are talking about democratic socialists. They have a party, Democratic Socialist Party, or organization that exists in the United States that's really on the rise a bit in terms of bringing these ideas about. But the biggest issue for me is if they don't want to fall prey or we don't want to fall prey to this whole BS line about red baiting, we have to better define what we mean by democratic socialism or socialist principles. The way they're doing it right now is that they're saying if you're saying you're a socialist, that means you're against capitalism. Right. And if you're against capitalism in this country, then you've got a problem because this country is capitalist and it's going to be. But if you're an advocate for social programs, socialistic kind of programs, it makes sense in this democratic capitalist system that we have in this country, at least the kind of system we want to have. So I think the onus is on Bernie, is on AOC, is on all of us that have social principles, socialistic principles as a part of our view of government to define what it is. And then the issue, for example, most specifically, is Medicare for All. Medicare is a program, I mean, I'm a retiree, I'm over 65, so I know what Medi-Cal is and I know how it works, and it's a good program. 
but it's not a program for everybody because it costs a lot of money. So Medicare for All is an example of universal health care or social health care. Uh, and in that context, the real challenge becomes two things. One, how the system's going to work. Is it going to work better than my private insurance? That's going to be a tough case to make. I mean, is uh, care for All going to end up being like the DMV, where you have to wait six months to get a license renewal, or really the worst of how government works? Or is it going to be a good program, like the Medicare program we have now, where it functions pretty darn well? But that's because the number of people isn't so huge. If you talk about Medicare for all, I think the second challenge becomes how. How do we get there? And it's not going to be one leap. It's going to be uh, incremental, I think. So the different positions relative to getting to universal health care, Medicare for all talks about taking one huge leap. But the point that's got to be made by Bernie and others is how we're going to get there, the how what steps and it's not just what well, we make the rich people pay for it that that ain't gonna happen I mean that's gonna be a tough battle uh, and take a long time so it's gonna be incremental so some of the things that the modern Democrats are pushing in terms of the public option to for Obamacare which Biden is pushing some people are saying let's move Medicare down to anybody 55 years older rather than 65 years older bring them into the Medicare program and so it's more step-by-step step incremental to get to a point where I think everybody wants to be which is universal health care nobody should be in a position where they have to be afraid to get sick or be ill because that means they're going to end up with <clears throat> economic financial ruin so to me, the big challenge is the how. We have to explain to the community at large how we're going to get there. We know where we want to go, but how do we get there is going to be the big challenge. And if we can do that in concrete terms, not in lofty generalizations, but more in concrete terms, and this is where Elizabeth Warren, I think, is taking a step ahead of everybody else, is she's beginning to put the how on the table, not just the what. So how we do it is going to be critical. Same thing with public education. I mean, it's a little concern that out of the last presidential debate where uh, Kamala Harris really put uh, Biden in, on the spot around the issue of him working against a forced uh, busing in the 70s. So she came out later talking about maybe we need to do busing. Now she's backtracking, saying it shouldn't be band-aided. Well, that's what Biden said. He just supported not making a band-aided federal mandate that we do busing for integration and segregation, but it should be done state by state, which segregationists have always pushed for states' rights over the federal government controlling everything. So... We need to look at all of these issues in the context of the 21st century and 22nd century, where we're going, not from where we've been. And if we're trying to litigate the 2020 presidential election based upon issues that took place in the 70s, we're going to lose. So the how, in the context of 2020, universal health care, if you're saying Medicare for all, and Kamala's 
backing away from that too, saying that you can do a supplemental program that could be private insurance, we'll phase it out, these kinds of things. That's what people are looking for, the how. So in order to make our case where people can use a blanket, red baiting kind of weaponizing, as you said, the term socialism and make it such a big negative is we have to talk about how socialist programs exist today and how they can work in the future for the betterment of everybody in the community and in the United States.